Hey, what do the following things have in common? Walking, cooking, writing, sleeping, sunbathing, crossfitting, knitting, binge-watching Netflix, planking, praying, singing, reading your Bible, dancing, going to a concert, going to church. Do you know? They all require the use of your body. Hi, everybody. If you came today to hear about body image and working your body, you're in the right place. If you came to hear how to work out and diet and exercise, well, stick with me. I'm Chrissy Baki. I'm the hippie Christian who cares. And we have been doing a short series on mind, body, and soul kind of talking about like New Year's resolutions and just starting the new year. But even if you don't have any resolutions and you just want to work on bettering yourself, we're talking about how to do it and connecting mind, body, and spirit and or otherwise known as soul. And so stick with me and let's just talk and focus in on our bodies. And I'm going to go all the way back to the verse that we started with, which was Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So I'm going to say now Let's rewind a verse to Romans 12, 1 and add that in and put it together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So conforming to the pattern of this world, we instantly start talking about bodies and our brains go to diet and exercise and working out and Conforming to the pattern of this world is really shaping your body to the way that the world says your body should look. And that's a dangerous thing um, for lots of reasons. One, because the world doesn't get to make the rules about your body. Imagine for a minute that you are going to an art museum or an art gallery um, where there's a featured artist and their exhibit. And so all their stuff that they created is on display and it's these, you know, sculptures. 
amazing sculptures. And there's some, they're just all different. Every single one of them is different and just unique. And upon meeting the artist, you tell him or her which ones are good and which ones are bad. Who are we to judge such art? Well, it's kind of like that. When you look in the mirror and you criticize your shape or your form. And also when we look at others and do the same. It's like t telling the creator or the artist that what he has made is bad. And it's simply not true. If you have something wrong, um, like something health-wise or, you know, a concern, talk to your creator and utilize the resources that our creator has given us to fix some things. But you absolutely positively need to change how you view your body and we must view our bodies exactly the way they are today and to embrace them and to love them and to nurture them and to work to make us better for sure but also to connect with our creator because he looks down every single day and is in absolute love with whom he created. So don't get me wrong. Exercise and eating healthy are good things and God gives those tools to us to help us take care of our bodies. What I'm saying is hating how you were formed and made and how you look on a daily basis isn't good, as well as when you make exercise and eating an idol when it becomes more important than loving God and loving others. First Timothy puts it perfectly in verses four through eight. And now I'm scrolling to find it. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You can be in the best physical shape, but when you die, that body dies with you. And, and when we go to heaven, we are told we're giving, given a new body. Again, does that mean that you shouldn't try to 
run marathons and do Ironmans and CrossFit and plank and sit-ups and pull-ups and, you know, all the good things that I struggle with. But do enjoy sometimes too, not so much CrossFit. I think you people are crazy. Um, Just kidding, only I'm not. I think you are crazy, crazy athletic and crazy stamina. And I totally don't ever really get people with the eye of the tiger because I have the eye of a tiny little kitty. And so the minute it gets hard, I'm like, yep, I'm good. But anyways, honestly, there's a lot to be said for people who are athletes and who enjoy fitness and healthy eating and good stuff. We need you. We need you to show us good exercises and healthy exercises and the way to stretch and the way to eat and all those good things. Just make sure that there is balance. And First Timothy is just helping us prioritize that. Prioritize God first and then other priorities. But putting God first is going to bring you that balance. It's important because we do also in the Bible, it talks about we want to take care of the temple where God resides. Uh, it is 1 Corinthians 10.31. And I should have put these all in order, but I didn't. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, let's be careful there. When it's talking about eating and drinking, there's nothing there that says excessively, right? Um, when we overeat, when we overdrink, that's sinful and doesn't bring glory to God. But when we are enjoying food or enjoying drink, that does bring glory to God when we do it in a healthy, safe, legal way. Um, I don't know that eating is illegal, but you know what I'm saying. Also, what we eat, and clearly there are some there are some um, races and some religions and some just choices that don't eat certain things. So when we're around people that don't eat certain things, sometimes like eating those things in front of those people or being like, oh, I can eat anything I want, you know, um, similar, I get laughing because all of a sudden I'm thinking of like Lent when Catholics give up meat on Fridays or they give up meat for the whole Lenten season. And, you know, it's always a joke like, oh, I'm Lutheran. I can eat anything I want. But you know what? You really can't because if you're not bringing glory to God by 
like showing off what you eat or what you drink or, you know, what you do with your body. That's, that's where we've got to think is how do we utilize this beautiful body of ours for God's glory? And how do we take care of our precious body? Because God resides in it. And let me give you one other. First Corinthians, um, Paul talks so much about the body. And in First Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you are a part of it. Another great way to look at it. It's not the reside one though, so I messed that up, but let's go with it. We're part of God's church. We're part of the body of Christ. And when you look at it that way, like that means we're important. Let's be honest. Nobody wants to lose a toe or a finger or a leg or an arm because then we have to, then the other body parts have to work harder. You're important to the body of Christ. And the one that I was really looking for was or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? So when you look at it as God resides in this body, you want to take care of it. And you certainly don't want to shame it. You want to nurture it and use it for good and for others' good. I think that really should have been for the good of others, not others good. That sounded weird, but I am weird. And so, and please, please, please understand diet and exercise are good. So if you have been working to be healthy and working to be stronger in your body, that is good. And and it can be even a form of worship when you honor God by taking care of this temple of his. So absolutely do not misunderstand me in saying that diet and exercise isn't good. Not meaning that at all. It's just not the only thing. And we're not all created equal in terms of, you know, being you know, an Iron Man or woman, or, you know, a marathoner, or a cyclist, or a bobsledder. And I just threw that in because the Winter Olympics are coming up. And I don't know about anybody else, but I definitely turn into that person who starts chanting USA. And that is so borderline creepy, but it just, you know, that's our team. So that's why I root for them. But I do really love um, the stories that come out of other countries. And it's so much fun to fall in love with the people that have committed their bodies to something that has been given to them by God, this talent that's been given to them by God. So there's a small tangent that was not in my script. But I think what's important is going back to the beginning, back to Genesis, where Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit 
are there. And he says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. Obviously, he doesn't say my image, which tells us that he is the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So that's just so valuable to our body image and to our self-esteem is that he created us in his image. And I giggle because when I look in the mirror and I think, is that really the face of God? Oh my goodness. But then I like what I see because I know that God looks down on me and is so in love with me. And then in Genesis one thirty one, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So he sees that we're very good. Why would we think that that would change from when he saw Adam and Eve and it was very good to the day that you were born and he saw that you were very good? That the moment you breathed in this new world that you came into, that he just was so in love with his creation. And it sounds silly, but it's not. It's absolutely personal and it's very, very intimate. And in Psalm 139, he says, Before I formed you in the womb. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. How awesome is that? And in Psalm 139, 13, he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Like, how handmade does that sound? Like, Jesus knits. For you created my inmost being. And that's so personal. Like, when you think about your inmost being, that's the part you probably aren't sharing with the world that you're not just casually talking about over lunch break. That's that personal, super private part of you that, that rarely another human knows because it's the part that God knit together when you are in your mother's womb. And the good news is, is that 
it's so specific. I mean, and so intentional. And he follows it up in Jeremiah in chapter 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He wants us to be successful. He has a plan for our future. And you notice it says, for I know the plans I have for you. The plans I have for you, not necessarily what our plans are, but when our plans and desires and dreams are in connection with God's plans, are in his will, when we're in relationship with God and we are right with God and connect with God, his plans and our plans, when they meet that's a really awesome thing. And when they don't meet and we trust the plans that God has for us, that's awesome too. It's when we rely just on ourselves, when we're trying to fix the broken parts of our bodies by ourselves when we are declaring that these bodies that we have aren't good enough or aren't conforming to the pattern of this world, that's, that's when we truly are broken. I will share a little bit of my actual body story with you. I have always had confidence in myself in terms of I like me. And I think the only way that that can happen to a person is when you know Jesus. And I think I've shared with you before that I was lucky enough to grow up in a household where Jesus was present. And we learned about Jesus at a very young age. And he's never not been present in my life. So I'm lucky, lucky, lucky that I grew up in a household that taught who Jesus was. And so I knew that Jesus loved me. So therefore I loved myself. Um, but I also really loved food. And I think there's always an issue behind food in terms of, you know, clean your plate. Um, Maybe you have four brothers that, you know, if they ate four pork chops, that was a great thing. Look, Rob ate four pork chops. Way to go, Rob. That's excellent. But somehow if Susie and Chrissy ate four pork chops, yeah, we're just like a big porco. Um, what? That's just crazy, right? Like girls shouldn't overeat, but boys can. Um, unless you're at like an all-you-can-eat Shakey's buffet, yeah, that's when all of a sudden my dad would turn into go ahead and be a glutton. Because if I paid $5.99 for all you can eat, make sure to eat $15.99 worth. I know my dad was sometimes a little bit crazy and it makes me laugh, but it also makes me wonder, dad, it's your fault that I like to overeat. So there was a moment in time when I got on the scale and it was one 
pound that set me over the edge. I got on the scale and I'm going to tell you because you know what? It's a number and who cares? And some of you know how tall I am. Some of you don't know how tall I am. So picture whatever you want because it's okay. But I got on the scale one day and it was 251. And it was that one pound that made me realize how people got to a point of being like the reality shows of my 600 pound life. I don't think anybody intends to be obese. I don't think anybody sets out to be in a dangerous weight. But all of a sudden, years of unhealthy eating and not doing anything physical to combat that all culminate into an unhealthy situation. And I say unhealthy because that's really the only problem with being heavy, with being overweight. It isn't your body image. It isn't a shameful thing. It's just unhealthy. And so that's the feeling that I got too. It was, oh my gosh, what if I have a heart attack? But I was a little, I did have shame and I did have some really bad body image and um, I, I, I had a little bit of conforming to this world. And I think every time I approached a diet from that aspect, it was, I was never going to win. But I heard somebody talking about that if you were the only person on earth, Jesus still would have come and died on the cross and raised again for you. That that is how much our God loves you. And it made me think that standing wherever I was, was at that moment, at my heaviest ever, that I was okay, that I was, that God looked down on me every morning, every afternoon, every evening, and was like, wow, I am so in love with this beautiful creation that I have made. And that's what he says to you too. And so it was at that moment that I wanted to be a little bit more heart healthy that I wanted to be a little bit more energetic and flexible and not so out of breath. And it was a long journey. And there was moments where after I lost um, a decent amount of weight that grief happened. And it was my first experience with a super personal loss that impacted me, but I didn't quite understand it. And so, you know, comfort food comes and you know what, don't ever feel bad about bringing somebody brownies because there is a moment where that brings some comfort. You have to curb it pretty quickly and not go crazy, but um, it is occasionally just nice to have some comfort food when you're hurting. And so I didn't curb it. 
And next thing you know, I had gained almost half of what I lost back. And I was frustrated, but I also was like, it's okay because I can start over and God gives me grace and he gives me mercy and he still loves me. He's still looking down every single day, morning, noon, and night, and is so in love with me. And so therefore, I wanted to continue to be healthier and healthier felt better. And so, you know, I got to where I needed to be again, and then I'd gain a little bit, and then I'd get to be where I needed to again. And then same thing, but I've never, ever gotten back up to 251 pounds. And so I'm grateful for that. And I learn from my mistakes and I know that regardless of where I'm at, Jesus loves me. And so the great news is the difference between 251 pounds and 160 pounds, or I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm at 181.5 today because Christmas was delicious. And so here's the story. Jesus loves me regardless of what the scale says and regardless of if that moment when I step on the scale, how it makes me feel because that's conforming to the pattern of this world. But if I know that it is just a measurement to help me and that I am perfect in the eyes of God through Jesus Christ, then life is good. And so his plan for our future is a plan of hope because regardless of our health, regardless of our body size, regardless of whether we love to run or hate to run, whether we want to swim or bike or just take a slow walk or be active mowing the lawn or gardening. I mean, there are so many things that we can do, but taking care of this body that he has given us and knowing that our body image is based on God's love for us. And that is our hope. So how do we act on it? What do we do with these beautiful bodies that God has given us. So what do we do? Well, first, we don't compare. Comparison will rob you of joy. We can't compare our bodies to anyone else's because you can't. You've heard of the expression, um, you know, that's like comparing an apple to an orange, right? Two totally different fruits. They're just different. Well, we are all unique and our bodies are our own. Start loving the body that you have. Stop. Start loving being in your own skin and understanding who you are and that your body is this magnificent machine equipped with everything that you need for God to have his 
plans prosper you. So let's go back to our verse of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. There's our answer right there is to start by offering your body as a sacrifice. So does that mean like, whoa, sacrifice, usually like something died? Well, actually, sacrifice is giving up um, something of value for something more valuable. And so clearly we know that we are valuable, but Christ is of more value to us. So when we sacrifice, we are not thinking of ourselves. We are thinking of Christ and we are thinking of others and we are living to please God. And so holy and pleasing. So holy is literally devoted to the service of God. It is we are holy because God is holy. And so it is that devotion that God has and that he gives us so that we can give that devotion back to God to his service. And so again, how do we serve? How do we serve others and be pleasing to God? And when, of course, when we say pleasing, I don't think there's anybody listening that doesn't understand what pleasing someone is, we, we want to make God happy, right? When you want to be good and the best at something, often you look for the goats, right? The greatest of all times. So if you want to be an amazing quarterback, you might follow the likes of Joe Namath and Troy Aikman and yeah, maybe Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, you know, all of the, they're all great, right? Brett Favre previously, all of them. In this case, yeah, you're going to follow Jesus. And so I'm not going to give you the specifics of each verse. I'm going to give you the Chrissy Cliff notes, but here's what Jesus says on how to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Luke 10, 27, love God, love others. Matthew 25, 26, become a servant. Matthew 5, this chapter has all kinds of ways. Show mercy, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Be merciful, be a peacemaker. And, and it's okay when you're persecuted for righteousness. The late senator and civil rights leader, um, John Lewis, talked about making good trouble. It was when you were doing something good and acting on behalf of others in a legal way 
and you get arrested for it, or you get beat up for it, or you get persecuted for it, that's good trouble. Um, we, we don't want to be persecuted. We don't want the trouble, but we also want to make sure that we're taking care of people and defending them appropriately and in ways that sometimes they can't possibly take care of themselves um, or need our help. And so Jesus is our model of what we need to, how we need to act. And remember that that's, that becomes our true and proper worship. We can worship God in so many ways, but simply by utilizing this body that we have, it's a form of worship. And when you do eat right, you are worshiping God by taking care of this amazing tool slash instrument machine, whatever you want to call our bodies, because you're fueling it appropriately. When we're worshiping God through exercise, we are saying, God, thank you that you give me the strength that I can do a plank or that I can climb Mount Everest, that you are giving me the strength to walk around the block with my grandchild, or you are just giving me the strength that I can move in any way. We worship God when we serve others, when we do all the things that Jesus is telling us to do, that when we love God and we love others and we become a servant to them. And so we model Jesus as the way that we are going to sacrifice our bodies for God. And when we think about the way that God, Jesus sacrificed his body physically for us, it is so much, e we, we have it so much easier and we are so blessed to have that grace and that mercy and that outwardly love from Christ. Let's take a quick break to hear from my sponsor. Jesus sacrifices himself so that we don't have to. He died went to hell, claimed victory over death and over sin, and rose again to life on earth in a human and godly form so that hundreds would see him and his, and his disciples would know that the promise was fulfilled. And he says, he tells them that he's going to give them an advocate and he's going to give them a counselor. When he, he also says he's never going to leave us. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's Shirley, S-U-R-E-L-Y. It wasn't just speaking specifically to Shirley. 
<laughs> Couldn't help it. That's hilarious, right? Um, but but seriously, I am with you to the very end of the age. And he tells them that he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. In in putting it together in our topic of mind, body, and soul, the Holy Spirit is our body coach. He's our personal trainer, our advocate, and Jesus never leaves us because the Holy Spirit is God, is our creator, is our savior, and is our and is our advocate and personal trainer and coach. And so that's how we take what Jesus tells us and put put it to use through the Holy Spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit that we can look in the mirror and see through the same lens that Jesus sees and to see that we are perfect in his image because of his grace and mercy. Jesus is a patient, kind, gentle, loving God. He waits for us and is always there ready. And when we invite him in, he walks with us. He cooks with us. He writes with us, he sleeps with us, he sunbathes with us, he crossfits with us, he knits with us, he TV binge watch with, watches with us, he planks with us, he prays with us, he sings with us, he reads our Bible with us, he dances with us, he goes to concerts with us, and he goes to church with us. All the things that we use our body for we don't do alone when we invite Jesus into our hearts and into our bodies to be a living temple for him. And when our bodies expires, when our bodies expire, because they don't expire, you try to make a really good point and then you blow it with saying it in the plural. Come on, Chris. And when our bodies expire, he escorts us home. And now we know why I won't be winning the podcast Grammy slash Emmy Awards, right? Anyways, it, that does conclude our body segment and quite honestly leads us right to the next series or next episode which is our soul. So we've talked about our mind and our body. And next on the agenda is our soul. So follow me, share with somebody who needs to know that they are perfect as is. Bye.